Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast brought to you by Verdesian Life Sciences. Great to have you with us. I'm your host, Noah Newman. This week, we're catching up with Joe Hamilton from East Central Indiana for an in-depth look at how the usage of cover crops and planting green are paying off big time in his no-till system. Let's waste no time jumping right in. Here's Joe. My name is Joe Hamilton. I live in East Central Indiana. I farm about 2,500 acres of corn and soybeans with my family. I was an engineer for 12 years and returned to the farming operation in 2015. 100% of my acres are no-till, continuous no-till, and about 75% are in cover crops every year. So mechanical engineer, that's a pretty unique background to uh, come from to go into farming. Um, how How did your experience as a mechanical engineer, how does that influence what you do today? I think that engineers make good farmers. They they pay attention to details and they like to change variables and see results. I feel like that I run the farm as a continuous experiment, trying to, to make things better and optimize the outcome. And then, so what was your biggest motivation for getting back into farming? I enjoyed my job and enjoyed my projects and colleagues, but I was tired of sitting inside in a cubicle staring at a computer all day. I I felt like I had an opportunity to return to the farm, and if I passed on that, I wasn't sure that I would have that opportunity again later in life. Yeah, it sounds like a, a great move. Now, have you guys always been no-till, or what's your history in that regard? No, my my father, when he ran the operation, would um, no-till some years, and when he had time, he would do tillage in the fall and in the spring. Um, When I returned to the operation, we were um, limited on labor and resources, and I felt like that there was a path to get to continuous no-till, and it would be better and more sustainable um, and use less fuel and resources, and it's, it's worked out so far. And we see so many no-tillers using cover crops, just like just like you do. Uh, tell us about that, how you got started with cover crops, and do you remember your first experience planting them? In 2017, I planted about 100 acres of cereal rye into corn stalks before soybeans. And I, I had read about cover crops and talked to people about them, and that was, I felt, a, a good gateway to give it a shot. It went well. So in 2019, I enrolled half of our acres into the USDA NRCS EQIP program and uh, started doing cover crops um, on a on 50% of the acres. And then eventually I enrolled more acres into cost share programs. And um, I've had as many as 90% of our acres in cover crops in one year. Um, I, I can't say that it's all been easy or all gone perfect, but overall I felt like it was the the part of no-till that we were missing to uh, to improve soil health and regain profitability. Yeah, you talk about it being the missing piece of the puzzle. Just going along those lines, what are some of the benefits you've seen and what kind of impact have cover crops had in your operation? Definitely less weed pressure. I think that's the first thing that I saw. And um, even if you do cereal rye on corn stalks before soybeans, you, you see the reduction in weed pressure your first year. At least I did. Um, I've also seen improved water infiltration with less surface runoff, um, breaking through compaction layers. When I, in 2019, I had a USDA um, soil scientist come out and we dug some, dug some soil pits and looked at layers of tillage and compaction layers and um, years of um, degraded soil structure. And after, after doing 
cover crops in those fields for two or three years, you can see those those layers break up and get better aggregated soil and uh, improve structure. Wow. Well, coming from an engineer background, you touched on this. I mean, you're always looking to, to experiment with things. So what species have you experimented with? I've tried several different species, but the, the formula that I have narrowed down on and I'm doing this year, um, I use annual ryegrass, spring oats, rapeseed, and crimson clover before soybeans. And I will seed those um, with an airplane before September 15th. And before soybeans, I will do cereal, rye, barley, spring oats, rapeseed, and crimson clover. Um, same thing by September 15th with an airplane. So have you always done it uh, via aerial application, or is that something you've just recently tried? I used a high boy um, seeder. I, I hired it um, custom application for several years, and I liked the high boy approach. I felt like I got a little bit better um, seed spread and distribution, um, and the the guy that I hired had 90-foot booms, and it lined up with my sprayer booms. Um, this year, he got rid of his applicator, so I switched to an airplane. And hopefully by next year, I'll build my own high boy seater and go back to that. So you, you'll go back to the high boy. But what, what's the experience been like with uh, aerial seating? you like what you see so far? I do. I, um, I'm, I'm not crazy about someone driving through my corn um, a month before harvest. So I, I would, especially in corn, I would suggest, that, at least for me, it's worked better with an airplane. Um, I think no matter what you do, if you broadcast in the standing crop, you're very, um, you're very dependent on rainfall right after your cover crop seeding. My, my successful years, I've had favorable weather and the years where that I didn't have a good stand, um, it seemed like it was dry for a week or two after seeding and uh, it really hurt germination. Gotcha. Well, going back to your uh, rotation, your species that you're using, just specifically with each one off the top of your head, what do you like about them? And are there any certain challenges you have to deal with, uh, with any of them? I, I like annual ryegrass um, before corn. It You get less root growth above the ground, or you get less plant growth above the ground, but you get more root growth below the ground. I feel like that it's, it's better for breaking up compaction and um, improving soil structure. Termination is probably the biggest challenge with annual ryegrass. You have to be patient in the spring. If you spray your annual ryegrass the same time that you would have sprayed your cereal rye, a lot of times you don't kill it all. I like cereal rye because you get so much growth over the winter. Um, I've I've planted green into that with soybeans and had very good luck. I like to throw a little bit of barley in with the cereal rye because um, there there are places in the field that the barley will do well when the cereal rye doesn't, and other places where the cereal rye will do well when the barley doesn't do well. Um, oats, you get good good growth in the fall from oats. Um, that's why I put those in, and. Uh, Rapeseed and crimson clover, I include those to have a little more diversity. And let's talk about planting green. When did you start doing that, and what are some of the benefits you've seen from it? I I started planting green um, the first year after after I planted a lot of cover crops, so 2019. And um, I, I I jumped into that probably a little bit more than I should have right off the bat. And um, I I planted um, I planted a lot of corn into cereal rye that was green and before that I understood the nitrogen tie up and some of the mechanical limitations of of running your planter through heavy biomass. Um I, I think that the benefits are are obvious in that you get 
more growth in the spring. You get more time for your cover crop to grow, better weed suppression, and and all of your benefits that, that are there are just a little more amplified by letting it grow that extra two or three weeks. Yeah, I spoke with someone recently who um, told me that when he first started planting green, the soybeans did great off the bat, but corn was always kind of a challenge. And he, and he mentioned just what you did with the, the nitrogen uptake. So uh, what have you kind of done to maybe improve on that when it comes to planting green with corn? I, well, I, I put more nitrogen on. I put 60 pounds of nitrogen on um, at planting. And that that's made a big difference. The other thing is, is I, I think that you get most of the benefit from your cover crop before corn, even if you terminate a week or two before planting. And for me and my operation, um, I try to I try to terminate the cover crop um, seven to 14 days before I get in the field with the planter. Gotcha. And then going into more detail about your termination methods, um, just just take us through that process, how you do it. And uh, are, are you using glyphosate or how do you do it? Um, before corn, I'll use um, metallochlor, um, dicamba, and glyphosate, and come in um, 14 to seven days before before I plant. And uh, then after the corn is um, before it hits V5 or it's less than 12 inches tall, I'll use caprino atrazine. And if I have um, heavy wheat pressure, I'll put some status in with it. All right, let's burn a timeout. Back to the podcast in just a second. But time now to share a message from our sponsor, Verdesian Life Sciences. At Verdesian Life Sciences, we believe that supplying healthy water and soil for the next generation is just as important as supplying efficient nutrients for every crop farmers grow. For us, sustainability and profitability go hand in hand. That's why we call ourselves the Nutrient Use Efficiency People. We have dedicated ourselves to providing prescriptive nutrient use efficiency solutions that improve plant uptake and reduce fertilizer losses, helping preserve the environment and make the most of your investment. Learn more at VLSCI.com. Now, back to the podcast. With soybeans, uh, someone I talked to the other day, he mentioned how he's had some problems with uh, slugs and, and voles with soybeans. And he's in a different region than you are. He's not in Indiana, but have you had any kind of um, pest issues with soybeans when it comes to planting green? I have. Um, that that was a big problem with planting corn was open seed, seed slots. And um, I went to a serrated disc opener on my planter that helps cut through some of the residue and open up the seed trench. And then um, I went to plastic spike closing wheels. And that made a big difference in, in getting the getting the seed trench closed and um, keeping the pest out of out of the seed trench. And you just touched on it with your equipment. Uh, it sounds like your your planter is pretty uh, heavily modified or just kind of give us the rundown of all the equipment you use on your farm. I uh, for, for my planters, I have two John Deere planters. I have a 15-inch planter for soybeans and a 30-inch planter for corn. Um, I use serrated disc openers on both. Um, I also use plastic spike closing wheels. Um, hydraulic downforce on the corn planter helped uh, improve my consistency and seeding depth in, in changing conditions. I think that um, anytime that you do cover crops, you're going to see you're going to need different downforce as you go through the field, even more so than a tillage situation. And um, hydraulic downforce helped a lot. So is there anything new you're looking to uh, implement into your system next year or in the coming months? 
I've been dabbling in 60-inch corn, um, interseeding that at V5, and then grazing cattle in it. The, the logistics of adding livestock are difficult, but I feel like that that is a big thing that is um, missing in my operation. So that's I, I'm hoping to, to increase the number of acres that I do in that program and uh, bring more livestock into the operation. Oh, how many livestock do you have now? Nine right now. So I have plenty of room to grow. And then why are you looking to go that direction? What kind of impact do you think that could have for you? I, I think the foremost is um, getting getting acres to put cattle on in the winter and getting some, some beef off of it. But the other part is um, I think that the animals um, interact with the soil both through their manure and um, – eating the uh, eating the plants that does a lot of benefit to the soil that you you can't get any other way so in terms of cover crop species again going back to that topic ha- have there been any that you tried out and you were like oh this just isn't going to work for me in in 2019 we had 400 acres of prevent plant and i seeded um daikon radishes and then um, austrian winter peas annual ryegrass um rapeseed and some cereal rye and hairy vetch um, in alternating 15 rows. So it was daikon radishes in one row, then the mix of everything else in the next row. And I seeded that um, at the end of July. Um, Those daikon radishes grew um, very deep. They were great for the earthworms and breaking up compaction. Um, Everything did very well, but a lot of those species, I think, would only work in a system where you have good seed-to-soil contact. I don't think you're going to make most of those work with broadcast and, uh, and you need more growing time to make it work. So, so no, I don't think there's anything that I've tried that, um, that I really had a bad experience with, but you have to be aware of your, um, seed to soil contact and weather limitations on when you pick species. So we do a survey every year where we ask people for their, their top benefits from cover crops and maybe some of the top challenges that they've seen from cover crops. So, uh, you touched on it a little bit already, but just what would you say are the, the top three benefits that you've gotten from using cover crops? I'd say less weed pressure, improved soil structure, and reducing um, compaction layers would be my top three benefits. And then on the flip side, challenges. You know, what what kind of obstacles have you run into and what kind of challenges do you think other people might face when they start using cover crops? Um, cover crop establishment is a big thing. Um, like I said, if, if you broadcast and you don't get rainfall, your, your establishment suffers. Um, termination, I, it would be tough for me to do the program that I'm in with overwintering cover crops and planting green if I didn't have my own sprayer. So keep, keep in mind termination, your plan and your backup plan and your backup to the backup plan. If, uh, if you're going to try to plant green and, and do cover crops, um, the, the the last thing was probably mechanical limitations, figuring out that you have to make modifications to your planter and be willing to adjust um, as your as your conditions change. Yeah, and every system's unique, right? I mean, especially where you are in, in Indiana, how popular is the practice of planting green or, or using cover crops? Are you one of the few in in your area, or do you have other uh, neighbors that do it? Or I'd say probably five percent of the acres in. Uh, in this area do cover crops and even even less with planting green so I, i'm probably an outlier and people drive by and wonder what i'm doing but it it seems to work for me 
And then when you first start, you know, we always hear people say that, you know, take advantage of all the resources you can, go to conferences, uh, talk to other farmers. Just w- what was your support system like when you first started getting into cover crops and, and no-till? I learned more from conferences and talking to other farmers than anything else. Going to the National No-Till Conference is one of my favorites. Um, the Everything Cover Crops group on Facebook has been good for, for learning and bouncing good ideas off people, learning from other people's mistakes. Um, a lot of books I enjoy reading. Uh, Gabe Brown, David Montgomery um, are some of my, some authors that I read that um, helped shape my early experiences and reaching out to the USDA NRCS. They have, they have a lot of resources, both financially and um, for technical support that, that helped me. Yeah. That everything cover crops group on Facebook, that is becoming really popular. I've seen some pretty interesting things on there. I, anything specifically you could think of off the top of your head that, that you learned from that group? Um, I think planter modifications were one thing that I learned. Um, there weren't there weren't a lot of other farmers that were trying to do what I was doing in the area. But um, when I when I posted about some of my struggles, I got several responses on um, what had worked for other people. So that and uh, herbicides. Sometimes you get um, some negative feedback on on herbicide approaches um, from people who maybe. Um, somewhat extreme but but i feel like that there's enough other farmers on there that have had experience with herbicide and what worked with cover crops that you can get some good information yeah i'm, I'm glad that you um glad to hear that you attended the national no-till conference i'll i'll be there uh, next year Do you plan on going next year yet or i already bought my tickets i, I enjoy oh, nice. going every year that's awesome what, what's your favorite part and what's been your favorite presentation in the past can you think of a specific uh, speaker or, or something that you've really taken away from your previous experience going to the conference and talking to farmers is definitely the best part um, you you meet a lot of guys from all over the country and all over the world that um, have been doing cover crops and no-till a lot longer than I have and uh, picking their brain seeing uh, learning from their mistakes is a lot better than learning from your own mistakes. Um, that's, that's been my favorite part, but, um, there's, there's always good speakers. Dwayne Beck has always been one of my favorites and, uh, there are a lot of other people and a lot of, uh, a lot of topics that, that I've enjoyed every year. Yeah. Well, January will be here before you know it. So I'll have to, uh, I'll track you down at the conference this year and, and, and say hello. Looking forward to meeting you out there. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, before we let you go, Joe, anything else you want to add to, maybe um, help our listeners out here or any, any piece of advice you want to share with people or any other topic you'd like to touch on before um, we let you go? I, I think my most important piece of advice would be to, to just try it. If you're considering cover crops and you haven't or um, you want to try something new, try it. Maybe dabble into uh, 5 or 10% of your acres the first year, but if you, if you push it off every year and you don't try it, you'll never do it. Thanks to Joe Hamilton for joining us on this week's edition of Cover Crop Strategies, brought to you by Verdesian Life Sciences. It was great to have you with us, as always. And until next time, remember, for all things cover crops, head to CoverCropStrategies.com.